Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another episode of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. It's Hayden Winks. Feels a little different, doesn't it, Hayden? We wrap up 16 games over the weekend, regular season behind us, playoffs ahead of us, seven games this weekend. We move on from there after that. But I know, I know everyone out there has been playing playoff best ball, but most importantly, just having some fun and thinking who can win. Let's help the people out with that today. How you doing? I'm doing good. I feel refreshed. It feels like we haven't done that much podcasting in the last two weeks because we've got a whole lot of other things. You guys haven't heard the Trill Withers shows starting next week. Josh is going to be a part of that show. We have a brand new website. This is probably breaking news to you guys. A brand new website is on the way. We're going to have a bunch of cool stuff uh, over there coming up soon. So we've been working behind the scenes. We haven't been taking any time off. Don't you guys worry about that. But now we're back on the <laughs> podcast feed where where we belong. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this show instead of hitting the gym. So, uh, yes, as Hayden said, Monday, the 17th, True Weather Show with True Others, noon to three, every single day. Go and subscribe to that channel. Lots going on behind the scenes. We will still have our game-by-game preview show, plus some coaching conversation, since that is the time in the NFL for that to happen right now. That's going to be a normal show around probably 5.30 Eastern on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. But today... Fun exercise. We have not done one of these. And if it goes well, Hayden, maybe we'll do more. Positions, players, all that stuff. It's tier list time. Let's do it. Let's rank the real potential winners of this year's Super Bowl. The five categories. The favorites. The contenders. It's possible. The stars must align. No, not happening. Nope. Not sure how balanced this year is going to be, Hayden, but just comparing it to last year, we got these same Steelers, which I think was a worse version of them. We had the Washington football team. I believe we also had the Chicago Bears in the playoffs last season, and we got Jared Goff. So how great could that have gone, you know? Uh, This year, some really, really fun offenses, some pretty good defenses, some superstar players. Most importantly, before we get into these rankings, into these tiers, putting on the spot, what do you look for in playoff teams? Well, quarterback would be number one. That's the first thing I care about. And then the stats I'm looking at, point differential matters. Obviously, EPA on both sides of the ball matters. Um, I like to look at strength of schedule to see kind of who's dealing with what on that front. And then obviously, whoever has the bye weeks. Like That is just such an advantage. So I think we're going to have a lengthy discussion about the Titans. I think they're the most interesting team in this. Try to do tiers for. Uh, but... In my eyes, this is a list of most likely to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Doesn't matter the path, all that stuff, just who's going to win this thing, who has the best odds. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I think the fewer parameters of this conversation, the better, because then we get to live in the uncertainty and, and the unknown a little bit. Yes. As you all know, the Packers and the Titans are the teams with those playoffs, buys, and then the rest. 
play this weekend? For me, you didn't ask, but uh, I'll answer it. I look for offensive identity. I look for offensive line health. We talk about it all the time throughout the season, how the health of an offensive line, if they're you know, cohesive, if they're talented, it really propels so many to get to this point and then sticking with that throughout the remainder of the season. Again, when we mentioned offensive line throughout each individual week, so often it was like an anchor or a, a awful point that tanked that team's success. Um, yeah, and then who can make plays in like big moments? I really do care about superstars because so often when you look at individual games, uh, it comes down to two or three plays and who can make magic in that singular down. And sometimes that's defensively, sometimes that offense, that's offensively. And yes, some of these teams have more superstars than others. Okay, let's get into this. I personally think we should start off with the foundation. The bottom. Okay. Is that okay with you? Let's do it. So, almost naturally, everyone out there is going to throw the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, in the no-not-happening territory. Fair? I think you have to. You have to. So, to (laughs) me, they have the worst odds, according to the market, to win the Super Bowl. They were 22nd in point differential, 23rd in offensive EPA, 16th on defense. So there's really not that much to get excited for here. They have Ben Roethlisberger, the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger. This team was lucky to get into the playoffs. It took um, uh, the opposite of a kneel out to get there. And I think that they're feisty because they have Tomlin and they've been there before. And this is a pretty veteran team. Um, but they'll need like Chase Claypool, huge performances, Deontay Johnson, broken tackles, and all that stuff to happen. Yeah, they'll need their defense to dominate. And right now, their rushing defense is historically bad. Yeah. And you just cannot advance in the playoffs when one aspect of, of your defense is so putrid like that. Uh, TJ Watts, an absolute superstar. He can change games with just a couple of plays, but also there is no rhythm, there is no flow offensively. It's so funny that we talk about the Steelers and like the same conversation that we had about them, I don't know, on May 2nd could apply here right now where you go and draft Najee Harris to hopefully have a foundation of a rushing attack, but your offensive line um, is average at best in spots and below average on many other occasions. And so that run blocking leads to backfield tackles and backfield contact. And then you have a quarterback who with Tom Brady is like the shortest time to throw in the NFL Yet the A dots, the intended air yards of the two are just wildly different. And we know with with Ben, it's, hey, let's throw to the primary read. And if not, we're going to panic. Like we are not going to be stay patient with our second or tertiary read. And then you get to the point where who they face in the first round, the Chiefs. Three weeks ago, they lost 36 to 10. Yep. <laughs> That's like the big difference between the other couple teams that are on the list is they're not playing the Chiefs in the first round. So, right. yeah, that's just like the final nail in the coffin. Very cool that they got in. This team did not deserve to get in, but they got in there, and we'll see what they do. But I think that, deservedly so, it's the biggest point spread of the wild card round. Uh, going into Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes, no bueno. And in fairness, this likely is the end of a Hall of Fame playing career for Ben Roethlisberger. Deontay Johnson... You know, does not lead the NFL in drops this season. It is not in like a prime situation to succeed versus many others across the league. And he is absolutely succeeding. Pat Fryermuth has really emerged as 
one of the best young Titans already in the NFL. You're going to hear that Muth chant for years and years and years. In Pittsburgh, again, we mentioned TJ Watt. Just to, and like shout out to Mike Tomlin for getting here, for having a winning record, I think, every single season as a Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. That doesn't get enough love. So it ends though in round one. And at the bottom of the list, they are in the no not happening tier. Is there anyone else we're going to put in that grouping game? Um, I think we can make the other two teams in the next one up. But I'm I'm open to it. I'm sure it's the Raiders and the Eagles. Where do you want to start with the with those two teams? I mean, the Raiders are 100% the no not happening. Like you have, I understand it. Closet Raiders fan that sits next to me on every single one of these shows. But when we talk about superstar talent to get you over the top, like what my biggest concern is with the Raiders is like the version in week five is better than what they are right now. Is that fair to you? I think it's fair. They still have a good quarterback, though, and Darren Waller's back. And Darren Waller, obviously, is, is he back? They, yeah, he's going to be back. He, he yeah, played last hey, week. he's on the field. He's on the field, but he's right. not week we'll one. Darren Waller. Week. He's not. He's not twenty twenty. Darren Waller. Right. Now. We'll get him another week. They're not playing the Chiefs. Uh, I hear you. They just have a better quarterback than some of the other teams in the playoffs, and I think that matters a little bit. But it's. It's either way. All I know is that they're, they've been a top 15 team this year. We've proven that now that they're in the finals. And Derek Carr, <laughs> yeah, top I mean, 10 they quarterback. They are the 14th team. They are the 14th team. As I was saying, top 15, never wrong. Derek Carr, top 10 quarterback, never wrong. Uh, it's either this year or the next year. I don't really care. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. But uh, they have a good quarterback playing. Darren Waller's coming back. And they at least opened it up against the Bengals instead of the Chiefs. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Roller coaster of the season for the Raiders. Three wins to start the year, two losses, then two wins, then three losses, then a win stuck in there against the Cowboys, 36 to 33, then two losses, then you close out with four wins. Now, the I issue in those four wins to me, Hayden, is 16 points, 17 points, 23 points, and obviously in uh, in week 18 to get in, Chargers defense allows them to get 35 points on the board. I will say you're talking about superstars like Max Crosby's like getting there and totally. like Yannick Ngakwe like this front 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 line is pretty good and they can pass the ball with Derek Carr a little bit so I don't like the like the secondary or the offensive line and they have some injuries on both with Abrams and a couple of their offensive linemen have been out all year so really do not like that but um, at least you have a good quarterback and edge rushers so that at least gets you there. I'm not sure if you've seen the point spread uh, for week one. We'll talk about this on the preview show. Yeah. It's only six points between the Bengals and Raiders, too. So uh, I'm a little bit of a Raiders fan just because I think that Derek Carr is very underappreciated, but I'm not getting out of control. I know that they deserve to be in this last tier, the tier above it. No complaints. We'll definitely talk more during that preview show and that right tackle spot because that's where Max Crosby lines up. I don't know, 90, 95% of the time against Isaiah Prince, I believe his name is, for the Bengals. Huge, huge matchup to watch. Obviously, we have some history there. These two teams played earlier in the season as well, and the Bengals blew them out, like 32 to 13. And I think part of this conversation, Hayden, with the Raiders is Gus Bradley and his defense, like slowing down the opposition across the league and these huge passing offenses. A lot of teams have reverted to these two high gels, you know, preventing big plays down the field. Uh, the Chargers really weren't able to get it going constantly. And I think a major part of it was the pass rush up front because Yannick Ngakwe maybe doesn't get enough love too. He's been playing outstanding this year as well. 
Um, but I think so many of these teams that are in the playoffs this year, naming the Bengals, who have shredded these teams that go cover one and cover three constantly, that's to me just a a scheme detriment that the Raiders put out there. Possibly. They don't play cover one that much. So it wasn't like the the Ravens where it's like, okay, we're playing man and you have no chance. At least they're playing a little bit softer. But yeah, I think it's, it, well, I mean, we'll talk about the Riley Reef being out for the year for the Bengals and getting Max Crosby in week one. That's, there's something to that. There is. There is. Yet Derek Carr, I mean, there's no certainty he's on this team next year too. We're going to have a fun quarterback conversation podcast at some point. Um, but he's still like top five in the NFL in passing yards. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible what he's doing. And while I wouldn't say he played like a perfect game against the Chargers, he's making a couple plays every single you know, contest now where he's escaping the pocket, forcing someone to close in on him and then beautifully touch pass just right outside the outstretched arms, like right beyond the sticks over and over. That also leads to more yards after a catch. I think he's done that in two or three straight contests here. So props to Derek Carr, one of your better, better calls here. Okay. Amen. To me, this is the ending of the foundation of this tier list. Okay. We can argue about the fair to you. Yeah, I, I had the, the, the Raiders and the Eagles as basically very similar teams, but they're exact opposites. It's a uh, the rest of the team's good, and they have weird quarterback play. And then the Raiders, they have great quarterback play, or not great, they have very good quarterback play. Yeah. And the rest of their foundation is linked up. Uh, so I, I would say the Eagles are the next team up. And I think the big thing is just offensive line and defensive line play, and everything else is extremely hit and miss. And it depends on the the health of Jalen Hurts' ankle. I think that's the big thing is if he's not running around and stuff, it could be a long day at the office, but this team built in the trenches and um, they're going to have to overcome a lot of inexperience, not a just quarterback and receiver, but also on uh, both of the coordinators, the head coach, everybody's new here. So that's going to be the big thing for the Eagles, but um, they at least have a chance because their trenches play is off the charts good. Yeah, it is. And that matches up with their identity completely. We've talked about it at points this year, but it is wild to think of what the Eagles turned into from the start of the season into now. And really, when we surveyed it this offseason, we said, well, what they are now is what they should have been all along. I mean, Jordan Mailata, after you know playing rugby and being a seventh round or sixth round selection, turning into a you know awesome left tackle that they paid before the season to Lane Johnson coming back in a big way to, you know, Jason Kelsey being the most athletic center in the NFL, like in his mid thirties, basically bringing Landon Dickerson, who also missed time earlier this season. And now, you know, is a great starting left guard and they've kind of had to rotate pieces at right guard. I think like the rushing attack is a little different than maybe ones that we have seen in previous years that, put you know fear in defensive coordinators minds like i'm just gonna throw out some names here like lamar jackson when he went you know as the number one seed in the playoffs with the ravens and won mvp his rushing style to me is very different than than jalen hurts and obviously the running backs on that team i think are a little bit different than what the eagles have been trotting out there in recent weeks hopefully get miles sanders back at, at some points, because I do believe like that is a real difference maker from like an individual standpoint. And I'll even go back to like Cam Newton when they were 15 and one, like Cam is a little bit more of a power runner, but they had some great running backs in the backfield during that point 
as well. And it all seemed a bit more explosive than maybe what the Eagles bring to the table with their explosive element on the rushing attack. Yeah, they got there on the fourth easiest strength of schedule. And I don't like that because they're getting the Bucks, And obviously where the Bucks' strengths are, assuming that they get some pieces back, is stopping the run. So it's stylistically a very tough matchup right from the get-go. Um, so that's why I had the Raiders Eagles basically right next to each other. But I- I'm with you They They have at least a chance just because if they can get hot and they run out the clock, they get some turnover luck. This is a team that can just kind of get around your throat and, and hold on to the ball um, and run out the clock. But they're, yeah, they, they, they're a number of pieces away from being in the, in the it's possible tier for sure. And they do have some superstars on defense. I mean, I'm going to throw Fletcher Cox in there, who's done it for years, maybe not his best year in the league. Milton Williams, personal favorite, coming along as an outstanding interior disruptor. Javon Hargrave has always been a personal favorite. And then, heck, Darius Slay is ranking as like the bounce seventh back. overall corner for yep. PFF. A huge, huge bounce back. I even remember like in the first half of the season, Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, was you know getting crushed because everything was so simplistic. You haven't heard a peep out of that I feel like in the last eight weeks of this season too it's, I think it might be allowing the individual talents to do their best work obviously they're going like we talked about against the Bucks in round one we'll talk about that game a lot more on on Thursday that's a really brutal offensive line matchup to to face here but against many other offensive lines throughout the season and potentially even in the playoffs that's a unit that for one game has a chance to take over a ball game yeah the the now that you're talking about like the the soft defense, it's a lot of just cover two and quarters for the Eagles. Like Tom Brady should just absolutely walk through that. So I don't really love it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would love to switch the Eagles and the Raiders rankings here, but I know no. We can't what are that. you talking about? This that is not how this we we said it. We said it and forget it with the no not happening tier. To me, the Eagles and the Raiders aren't even in the same grouping. Not even close. Well, one gets to play Tom Brady and one gets to play the Bengals. So I know, that's but I understand what you're saying from who they're playing standpoint, but like even from a roster and fun to watch standpoint, I I want to root for a Eagles playoff game and watch that. If both were on the same time, I could only watch one, it'd be the Eagles versus the Raiders. But that's just me and that's my bias, not top fifteen Raiders team. You know? Yep. We just hate keep hating on Derek Carr and just gonna keep going out there and leading teams to the playoffs. Say so my biggest fear, and I never can get it out of my head when I think about this Eagles team, is Jalen Hurts in in week 12 against the New York Giants. I mean, they lost 13 to 7, a Giants team that was arguably the worst team in the league when it was all said and done after week 18. He went 14 of 31, 129 yards, and three interceptions. Only added, I mean, he did add 77 rushing yards in that game. But if you remember, so much of it was they just asked him to stay in the pocket. Like, they, it was a mush rush in a lot of situations. And he was making awful decisions, highly inaccurate. Um, so that's would be my biggest fear with all of these defenses that he's going to face in the playoffs. But then, even the young talents, like Dallas Goddard now ranks among the top tight ends in the league, I think. And Devontae Smith, I don't know if you saw it, I mentioned to Matt Harmon how great his tree was going to look. And then the midway point of the season, it was basically all green already. Yep. Yeah, he's he's very good. The problem is he gets five targets a game. It's It sucks, but the way she goes. I say we start talking about the good teams. Let's get to the it's possible tier, unless you got another team that you want to throw in down here. Oh, so you think no other teams belong in the stars must align. 
yeah, no, I think the other teams have a, a chance. But I, I'd like to hear your argument. Let's start. Let's start from the bottom and go up. Let's see what you got. Uh, um, I part of me wants to put the 49ers into the stars must align tier. Okay. What's your, what's your, what's the pessimism and then I'll bring some optimism to the table here. No, I think there's a lot of optimism. You know how frisky I've loved the 49ers this season. They have legit superstars on both sides. My issue is when they went to the Super Bowl in 2019, this team is worse than that one and the stars aligned throughout that time in 2019 from the quarterback scenario to that defense being, I think so much better than this defense is granted. Nick Bosa is unbelievable. Ark Armstead is one of the players of the week in week 18. Arden keys coming along as a really, really good role playing pass rusher, but these cornerbacks can be an absolute disaster against good wide receivers and good quarterbacks. Granted, they're going to get Trent Williams back who they didn't have this past weekend. I'm just a little nervous that again, it all has to, a line here on both sides of the ball. And we saw it from like the difference in the first half when it wasn't to the second half that it was, but maybe that's an example of why they should be in a tier above because they can put it on you. And it, when it all does align, they are one of the scariest teams in the NFL. So Vegas has the 49ers with the ninth highest, uh, odds of going to the Super Bowl. So there's a couple of teams that they view a little bit worse. They're 12th in point differential, sixth in EPA on offense. So I think that's where I have them ranked a little bit higher. And if you look at the splits with George and George Kittle on the field, they're 0.12 EPA per play better, which is pretty drastic. And I think that's what we've seen with the best of Jimmy G late in the season has been when George Kittle came back in about week nine. So since uh, George Kittle has been back, they've been fifth in offensive EPA. Uh, We could see some more Trey Lance wrinkles in there, and that could be a nice little fun wrinkle. I think going back to that Super Bowl run that the 49ers had, that this is the best George Kittle, the best, Debo Samuel. So I think that is a little bit of the difference. And they at least have the upside of a little bit of a Trey Lance wrinkle if they ever wanted to to debut that. So yeah, I think their defense is certainly worse. They're 15th in EPA per play. But if Nick Bosa gets really hot, I think that they have at least some semblance of an upside. I just can't rank a team that's been sixth in EPA per play over this season in the stars must align. So I want to move them up a little bit. And this is me just trying to win back some Debo Samuel love after doubting him in the middle of the season. This is the spot to kind of earn it back. So I, I think they're much better than the Eagles okay. are straight up. Next team, New England Patriots. Do they belong in the stars of the line more so than the 49ers? Because- so I think that there's a better argument for the Patriots to move down a tier. I think specifically without Barmore, uh, that's a huge loss on their defensive line. They're minus 14 EPA per play worse without Christian Barmore. Big piece on the defensive line. And the Patriots have faced the fifth easiest strength of schedule in the year. So their rankings when it comes in like point differential, EPA, all that stuff is going to be a little bit inflated. Um, but even then, it's just like their defense is so good. They have Bill Belichick. I think Mac Jones is at least good enough to, if you wanted to play conservative game plan, he can be efficient in that. So I, I view them kind of similar to the 49ers. I just think like if you're looking at the Eagles, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, I'd rather have Mac Jones and the coaching staff. I'd rather have the the, the Patriots coaching staff, obviously. Mm. 
And then the defense, I'd rather have the Patriots defense than the Eagles defense. So I still think there's a little bit of a tier list, but I was going into this having a very healthy it's possible tier uh, just so I don't get roasted when <laughs> when one, one of these, these teams, teams makes a Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they're like, well, <laughs> you were doubting them. Oh, no, I said it's possible. I think we need at least two in the stars must align. And to okay. me, the Patriots are more likely to be there than the 49ers. Uh, I think you convinced me with that. And I think it just comes down to superstar caliber players um, on the Patriots end. It really is. It really is Christian Barmore is our best defensive lineman right now. The yes. best disruptor because everyone else has kind of not fallen off a cliff per se, but just declined as the season goes along. And there's no lock for him to play in the first round of the playoffs here. And then oh, as our done. offense, Oh, is he done for real? I think it's a significant injury. We're, that's not confirmed yet, but I think it, it seemed like it was like he's not going to Okay, I, I thought I read yesterday that there was some optimism. But anyways, Ooh. I could be wrong. So, on the Patriots end offensively, it also hasn't been like the same rhythm and style all season long. Again, they opened in how they wanted to be now, but their offensive line was not healthy. Their offensive line was not playing well. And there was even a period of time when we talked about the Patriots and said they are at their best when they go three wide, have one tight end out there, and just let Mac get the ball in his hands and get it out quickly. And that's it. And then now, that once they got Trent Brown back, gotten healthier, gotten more cohesive up front, they're back to that. But I do wonder if they don't start off in that style with it winning, with it being consistent from snap number one, if they even have a... Like, how many of these quarterbacks can Mac Jones match up against in the playoffs that are going to be ranked above him here? You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say none. I'm going to say none. He's, yeah, he's probably not. But I will say that there is some Just throw for throw. Throw for throw. Right. I I get you with that. But I think that there's some variance with the unknown of Mac Jones. Like, what if he's just a little bit better than what we all think? And we haven't seen it yet because we've only, the sample size has been so small. Like, if Mac Jones was in the league for 10 years and we just don't, and like we know what he is, then I would agree. Yeah, they're probably in the stars muscle line. But like, what if he's just a little bit better and he gets hot super late, like we've seen some other rookies do? But that's not, me coming from me, like a huge Mac Jones fan, like a huge Mac sure. Jones supporter. Yeah, we like Mac more. Him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I just think their their defense. It's still Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Like, I, I want to at least give them some credit versus Sirianni and Gannon. But I think the credit that we've gotten to this point is the credit that they deserve and that like, Hey, they turned around an abysmal situation last year, went into an off season of rebuilding at certain spots, changing their identity completely. And it didn't take them another year to put their stamp on this team. In fact, for much of the year, for a few weeks, they were the leaders in their own division. And now they make the playoffs after it really being a disaster. You can't even compare the two teams versus last year. Versus this year. The other part is their explosive plays, other than their chunk yard gains of 10 plus yards, the explosive plays come off like trick plays, you know? Yeah. Like it's just no explosive element down the field in the passing game, which is really worrisome in these games. Yeah, they need a they need a receiver. We'll talk about the offseason. They they need a, a one. They have a bunch of threes. They don't have they don't have a one yet. So yeah, if you want to throw them into the stars muscle line, I think that is fair. The stars must align. Uh we'll see what Mac Jones could do. Uh, and of course, they're playing the Bills for the third time this season. Those games could always get those games get weird on the second time around and the division stuff that when you get face a team for the third time, it's it can get pretty crazy. But I, I'm with you like they need they need a lot of help, especially if Barmore's not going to be out there. 
Yeah. Again, their identity is those that front five. It really was Matt Judon for a while defensively to go along with JC Jackson, just a really, really well coached defense. But Judon has fell off a cliff. And it's Barmore. And if Barmore doesn't play on Sunday or Saturday or whenever they play, big deal. Yeah. You know? I'm going to put him in this tier. I'm going to put him in the stars must align. Okay. Uh, real quick, that, we'll talk about that's the not like a you're out, you're out. Yeah. But it's it's pretty close. I will say, I'm not sure if you've seen the weather in Buffalo. Oh, it's no, bad. I only saw like 10 plus wins. It's 10. It's like 10 degrees again. So <laughs> giddy up. It's okay. Fine. The, if, if the temperature goes below 10 degrees, the winds get up to 25 miles per hour. We are allowed to adjust. We are allowed to adjust that, these tiers and then put maybe the Patriots at the number one overall team. <laughs> that's fair. Belichick has gotten control of the weather. Okay, I, I think we're good with these four bottom teams. Quickly, let's um, let's put them in the order of their own tier as well. I'm going to move the Raiders ahead of the Steelers. Yes. And then no, not happening. Eagles, Patriots. Which side are you picking? Patriots, for sure. Okay. That's very fair. That's very fair to me. Both have like the same identity, but in different ways. Coaching. Yes. <laughs> Bell check. <laughs> All right, we already have in the it's possible. We have the 49ers here. Next team I want to place, Tennessee Titans. I think they are the natural next step here. I feel like there's so much negativity around this Titans team because of what they what they went through this year. But man, I want to look at that through like an optimistic lens, to be perfectly honest with you. Game six through game 10 this weekend. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs 27 to 3. They beat the Colts. They beat the Rams 28 to 16. Then they beat the Saints. I saw a tweet floating around, like citing some of these teams against, you know, their records against winning s- squads. One, it's tough to beat playoff teams, teams with a winning record. And two, maybe the Titans are the best at doing that this year. We talked about it. They're going to have a bye in the first round. And no coach in the NFL is better as an underdog at home by more than three points. Then Mike Vrabel, and that is absolutely a scenario that we might get in round two of these playoffs. It's just an incredible, I think, coaching job from the top down, and he hasn't received enough credit for it. I will make you put them into the contenders list right here. I will use my one time, have to do it. The bye week thing is just so underrated how much of an advantage. Right now in the betting markets, the Titans are fifth above the Rams, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Cardinals teams we haven't even put on this list yet. And I think some of the metrics that we're looking at is could be underrating this team because with AJ Brown on the field, their EPA per play is 0.13 better with Julio Jones on the field. It's 0.05 better with Derrick Henry. It's 0.18 better. All of those people might come back uh, onto the field. They have 14 players on injured reserve. Maybe they can get some of them back, but most of those were depth options. Uh, I think that this team's going to be getting healthier. All of a sudden they were already 11th in point differential um going into here and i just think that bye week is just so massive like what happens if like the the chiefs get upset before they even have to play them then all of a sudden it's going to be a, a bills team which is fine it's a good team but nothing too scary then all of a sudden they can just their path just to getting there to the first place is so much better than a lot of these teams and uh, we just don't know like what if julio's gets healthy and aj brown's healthy and like all of a sudden like they're just ripping through teams right we've seen games of derrick henry taking over We've seen teams of A.J. Brown taking over. Heck, we've seen games of Ryan Tannehill. Take, we haven't seen one with Julio Jones yet. 
And I think we all believe while it's been an awful season, he just scored his first touchdown with the team in, in week 18. The potential is always there. We have seen Julio take over in the Super Bowl in playoff games as well. There is one potential fatal flaw of this team, and it is the pass-protecting offensive line. I think they're a bottom five unit, bottom seven unit in the league there. But what Ryan Tannehill has done over these last, like, I don't know, month, two months there has been really impeccable. Like, I don't know if you watched this game on Sunday. I did. But, I mean, he 10 of his 23 completions in Week 18 traveled 10-plus air yards. And a lot of them, he was getting battered. He was getting beaten in the pocket. And this is a scenario also that we've seen them shine in the playoffs. They knocked off that aforementioned Baltimore Ravens team that we thought that offense was unbelievable. That was, you know, an avalanche when it started rolling. It was difficult to stop. And they did it a lot early on by throwing. This is one of the best teams that can throw early and then run to win in the end. Yeah. Pieces are there. The upside is there. Like I can see how this just perfectly lines up and they just walk into the Super Bowl because of they have AJ Brown and potentially Julio Jones and potentially Derrick Henry all ready to go. But even even if even if not, they don't have to play this weekend. Like that is massive. That's like 50% chance of losing right out the window. So I think like yeah. that alone makes them a bit like their odds, if you compare it to like the Cardinals versus the Titans to win the Super Bowl, are not even close in the betting markets. And I agree. I like the advantage that the Titans have for not playing is just so massive. And I just AJ Brown, man, when he's ready and ripping, it is a absolute game changer. Even if Derrick Henry isn't going to be himself um, a couple weeks in, man, like this team could really get rocking. We've seen them be a top three efficient offense um, in spurts going back to last year as well. Yeah. I mean, again, all five of those teams that they beat game six through game 10 had winning records. They went on to lose three of the next four without Derrick Henry, without A.J. Brown, as we talked about. And now they finish on a three-game winning streak. We've even seen Danico Autry. We've seen Jeffrey Simmons. We've seen Harold Landry. All make plays. In fact, yeah, there was one game line. I, I think it was against the Colts. Like, they were wreckers up yeah. front. Okay, we're moving them up. Let's go. We're moving them up here. Should we be the only show out there that puts them as the favorites? Anyways. Anyways. Okay. If... The 49ers right now are the only team in the it's possible tier who belongs with them. I'm going to pitch the Cardinals right now. They have the 11th best odds. They're the lowest of the teams that we haven't gotten to yet uh, to win the Super Bowl. They're ninth in EPA per play six on defense uh, ninth in point differential. So they're all they're a top 10 team, but the top 10 team kind of disappeared because of injuries without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They're minus 0.22 EPA per play or per pass attempt worse. That's just because they're using Antoine Wesley in the same exact role. Antoine Wesley is not DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, They are 0.19 EPA per play worse without Robert Alford, who's on uh, injured reserve. They are almost a 0.01 worse without JJ Watt. He's not expected to play. I mean, their only chance is if Rodney Hudson comes back. And I think that's the, their only hope on offense is that they get him fully healthy and that kind of solidifies the offense. So I think it's possible because Kyler Murray is so special of a talent, but this defense, I do not think that they're the sixth best defense without uh, their starting corners back and without JJ Watt out there. Um, and they have some weaknesses against the run. If that can get exploited in a particular matchup, I really do think this just comes down to like Kyler Murray has to carry this team and carry yep. this team without that number one, go to, 
third and seven, who am I throwing the ball to? Like right now, that's like Christian Kirk and AJ Green, who are fine role players, but like not complete difference makers. So I have major concerns solely because of injuries. And then you got adding like a little bit of the sprinkle of the Cliff Kingsbury can kind of get odd in some of these situations too. So possible, I just don't think very likely. Yeah. I mean, they have lost four of their last five games. That game against the Colts just a couple weeks ago, they asked Kyler, which they lost 22 to 16, throw 43 times, only had 245 yards and a touchdown. Believe that was the first one without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. And there, they would lob it up to A.J. Green, lob it up to Antoine Wesley, and they just were not able to make those plays in isolation. Then you go against the game against Dallas, 25-22 to win. Wesley would made like two or three contested catch situation plays, one-on-ones that we don't expect him to, and that was like really key for a victory. And this past weekend, they were playing. They were playing against the Seattle Seahawks, 38 to 30. Again, you ask how to throw 39 times, only get 240 yards and one score. I'm totally with you. We have seen Kyler Murray take over games. So much of the times it's inside the 20, inside the 10. It's making acrobatic circus plays inside his own 10 yard line, inside his own 30 yard line. But can we like put our hat on that and say, okay, that's the offense. That's definitely going to happen versus these other teams that have flow and also quarterbacks that can do that as well. That's where my nerves are. I'm also on the island, though, that says Rodney Hudson might be more meaningful than DeAndre Hopkins. And Rodney Hudson has played here. I know that that's a bit crazy, but just in terms of their blocking and their infrastructure. Yeah. Here. But um, I'm, I am worse off about the Cardinals here than where I was seven weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, everyone got hurt. It's just like it's as simple as that. The, the Robert Alford injury is massive. So if he's not coming back, that would be a huge thing because they have zero depth at corner. They're signing guys off the streets, um, and it's just so bad. They we Going into the season, they had no depth, and now Robert Alford's hurt. You really do not like that for him. So this is uh, – the secondary, I think, is like their biggest issue right now. It just It sucks. All the injuries happened at once, and it happened late in the season. J.J. Watt doesn't move the needle? I don't think he's coming back for a while, right? He is. I think late – is he not? Is he come back earlier? No, on that? week seventeen, I believe. I mean, week eighteen, he was activated off injured reserve, and I think he's he's able to come back now. We'll see. We'll see. I think they belong in the it's possible tier because it is very possible for Kyler Murray to have one of those games. Yep. Stacking two on each other, then stacking three on each other, then stacking four on each other, that becomes the issue. Yeah, when you know, out of nowhere, their defense ranked among the top five, top ten in a bunch of phases other than, you know, run fits earlier this season. If we got that same group now, I'd feel much more confident. But I I, I think this is very fair for them right in the middle middle zone for the, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. All right. There are going to be a lot more teams here, and I think that it's possible to hear. Is it fair to put the Cincinnati Bengals next? Absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is the perfect example of it's possible – and I can kind of see it going either way. They're eighth in point differential, 11th in EPA per play, 11th EPA per play on defense. But there's some caveats here. They have faced the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Uh, Riley Reef is not going to be coming back to the playoffs. Their EPA per play is down uh, 0.09, which is meaningful. And that's over a big enough sample now where you kind of have to believe that. We don't like some of the matchups against edge rushers in this situation. And 
So that's the, that's the negative story with the Bengals. The positive story, though, is if they decide to pass the ball like crazy, this team can go nuts. They had the second or their two highest neutral pass rate games of the season were in the last two games Burrow played. If that was an identity change and not a matchup thing, I can see this team having a path because they have so many weapons and Joe Burrow's playing out of his mind. And just to like go through this, they have the fourth highest EPA per pass and the 22nd highest EPA per carry. So if they do have a neutral pass rate change, the difference is really wide because they're really efficient passing and kind of efficient, not so efficient rushing the ball. So if they do have an identity change and we've kind of seen it in a short sample, they do have a path, but just the baseline is this was a, a team that was trying to win the Super Bowl like next year or two years after that. So I still think they need some experience and all that stuff. And I don't like Zach Taylor as a head coach compared to some of the other guys on this list, but it's at least possible because if they do just sit there and say, screw, we're throwing the ball 45 times to Jamar Chase and T Higgins, like that's a formula that, that will be successful. If they have an identity change, we believe in them more. I yes. think it's very easy to make the case on both ends that they have undergone one. Like you mentioned, Ravens, Chiefs, Ravens, cover one, cover three, explosive plays, can't tackle after the catch, previous, you know, pass rate over expectation high earlier this year was against those same Ravens, and then they go out in what, week 16, and they put up 41 points. Then the Chiefs, Zach Taylor came out afterwards and said, look, we know we have to outscore the other team. That's obvious. We also know we need to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. We knew this was going to be a high-scoring game. And so maybe that's another reason why they pass so much. Then everyone sat in week 18. Now we get to the Raiders, who we talked about. That defense, a somewhat traditional. You know, Gus Bradley, Seattle scheme. Does that lend itself to passing a lot more? We'll talk about that a little more on, on Thursday. But then overall... I could also you know, use those same exact reasons based on opponent and based on matchup as the reason why they pass so much and then they just kind of curl up into what they have been at other points this year, which is just very middle ground. We're going to lean into Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan as a pass protector and on third downs and just you know, put bubble wrap around our quarterback. But a quarterback who then has, I mean, when he has an outlet, on hot routes, boom, he hits it. A guy who's also shown and displayed an uncanny, maybe unesthetically pleasing ability to evade pressure and and buy time for himself. Yeah. I think the Bengals are very much in it's possible because they have the playmakers offensively to do this. And then that defense is, is so well coached on that side of the ball. But then if we talk about superstars, and I brought up that term so many with these other teams, do they have a single superstar defensively? Yeah, I mean, Trey Hendrickson's been playing well, but I'm with you. The, the defense is the one I'm most concerned with because we know how driven that is by the schedule, and they're 11th on EPA per play uh, with the easiest strength of schedule. So I think a good offense could absolutely shred them on defense. So yeah, I, I say we move them to the very top of this it's possible tier. I think they're the perfect definition of it's possible. Um when you have Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, you're you have a path. That's all I'll say. The rest of it, lots of other stuff to work out. I think they'll have to work that out with off seasons and actually playoff experience. But they at least have a path because Joe Burrow's been playing so well. Yeah, I know a lot of conversation on 
Twitter in this bubble that we that we live in was you know suggesting that the pass rate was based on Joe Burrow's knee and he he was like 12 months post op and that's when they finally unleashed him. Part of that might be true, but I more reside in the belief that it was all about matchups. And I think that, you know, that game against the Ravens at the midway point of the season signals that, you know, that was the peak. Then it dropped down again and then it peaked up against against the the Ravens and the Chiefs. And here we are. It helps that like they have finished the season on fire. They're one of probably like the top four teams that are hitting their peak passing wise um, in this format, in this format. Okay. Anyone else you want to put in the it's possible tier? No, I think we're talking about contenders the rest of the way. Really? Really? All right, which team yeah. do you think it's possible? No, 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 no. I I, I think you're right. Um, we've got, what, three NFC teams, four NFC teams left and two AFC teams. Yep. Okay. So we already have the Titans and the contenders. Who joins them next in this list for you, Hayden? Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. They have the seventh best odds uh, to win the Super Bowl, but they're second in point differential. They're seventh in EPA per play on offense. They're third on defense. So I don't really understand why. I think it's just because they have the hardest path to maneuver. Um, but their defense with Demarcus Lawrence has been infinitely better. Yep. We know that they can rush the passer very well. Uh, so it really just comes down to is how hot is Dak Prescott going to get? He's been pretty inconsistent because of the injuries, but. He's been kind of balling the last couple of weeks and this team could really get cooking. And with Blake Jarwin back, they're back to, they can win in multiple ways. It looks like to me, Zeke Elliott looks better. That is going to matter just because when they get into the short yardage situations, you need a fully healthy Ezekiel Elliott. So I really want to put my faith into the ceiling of these Cowboys team. And I think right now, just like looking at their odds to win the Super Bowl. Like usually like the Cowboys are like overrated by the markets, but for some reason, I don't know if it's like people just don't understand how good Dak Prescott is or what the situation is, but I feel like they're a little bit underrated. I think like they are like most definitely contenders. They don't really have a fatal flaw and they have like talk about superstars. I mean, they have superstars like literally at every single position. There were points of the season where I might've put them number one in this entire list. Like pre-calf injury, Dak Prescott, if you were able to copy that, put him with where the defense is at right now with Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and Micah Parsons, that tandem and offensive line health, Zeke looking better with the knee brace, Tony Pollard being in the lineup, all of that combined, pick and piece together would, I think, put them at number one. But as crazy as it sounds, through 18 weeks, if feels like we really haven't gotten more than one performance of all of them hitting at once. Yeah, I agree. It's It's been pretty inconsistent, but they're, they're one of the only teams that are top seven in defense, offense, yep. point differential, odds to win, everything. And if you just watch it, I mean, like, there, there's some plays where, like, the quarterback has literally no chance, and then there's some some points of the season where Dak Prescott literally cannot miss. So yeah. if you get both, you only need really one of those to go off, and then you can kind of elevate the other. If both of them are going like i'm not sure how many teams have as many superstars as the cowboys which is kind of crazy to say but like just if you're ranking the top 10 best players on each team the cowboys could be number one on the list i think the big thing is like okay secondary what trevon Diggs game are we getting coaching staff which uh mccarthy game are we getting there like those are the right. biggest questions and could dak prescott 
his calf hold up and if what whatever the mid midseason lingering issues were with that i'm guessing that's behind him but maybe that creeps up but when you're just talking about superstars like the freaking cowboys like they're they're at the top of the list in so many moments during that middle point of the season after Dak returned from that calf injury, it was inches. It was that Denver Broncos game that we talked about just felt uncharacteristic. And it feels so close, so close for it all to hit once again. And so easily without Michael Gallup, that does hurt. Um, but man, how they can unleash Michael Parsons against like heavy footed interior offensive linemen, but then also drop him in some scenarios when they bring other people too. That is just an X factor that maybe no other team in the entire playoffs has a third pass rusher, quote unquote, that can be utilized in that way to like isolate him in a favorable matchup. And then he wrecks house because he just, he just simply moves differently. And we talked about, I'm going to couple it here. The AFC, the NFC teams at cornerback, if they get pass protection, correct on the Cowboys, think of that duo wide receiver versus, I don't know, the 49ers corners the the cardinals corners in the super bowl the Bengals corners we can talk about the titans corners good luck to you sir yep good luck quickly have you seen these mentions for people who cover and follow the cowboys much closer than i do that the likes of brian brought us aren't really pleased with kellen moore at the moment yeah i i don't know i there was like some weird things in the middle of the season but so many of those throws it just seemed like Dak Prescott was like just barely off and there wasn't anything that was like too structurally different they were also like trying to work through what does their run game look like what like do they have enough running backs like quality running backs at that time when both players were injured and I think that would probably have some effects and I think that Blake Jarwin coming back is going to unlock Dalton Schultz in like the full way so like Dalton Schultz is a hell of a run blocker too and they can just kind of scheme up things dependent on the matchup which I think is something that we talked about at the top of the show is like one of the keys to is like how versatile uh, is your offense. And they are among the most versatile there there is. Yeah. And Deontay Lee of PFF had a really great thread on Twitter outlining the deficiencies, but also the positives of Trayvon Diggs uh, in terms of just being a, a boomer bust, if that's the applicable term here for someone who can change games with the turnovers that he makes, but he's also heavily targeted. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Cause he his eyes are all over the face. Yeah. All over the place. Okay. I think the Cowboys are, are very fairly placed in the contenders category. Um, Buffalo bills next. Wow. Okay. And tell me if you disagree with this for me with the bills, It's so easy to see it all working out and it all aligning. But I feel like the best moments that we have had for the Bills recently, at least offensively, just talking on that side of the ball, is these roller coaster Josh Allen individual game-breaking moments when at times it hasn't worked this year and lately it has. And it's those one-on-ones that he creates And it's so high variance that almost no other, and I would in fact say no other quarterback makes those types of plays week in and week out. I think stacking those games four times in a row, it's impossible. Like it's not just unlikely, it's impossible for that to happen. And really right now for those extended plays on second down, third down, even fourth down, getting that over and over and over again without the miscues of an entire first half eliminating you from a playoff chance. 
I don't think it's it's good enough right now for for where we were hoping this Bills team to be uh, heading into the season. Yeah, all the metrics are just so positive with the Bills. It's like, like I, I I hear you, and there are some lulls, and there's been some lulls recently. I think it's a lot of the cover two issues that Patrick Mahomes was dealing with um, early on the season. But the Bills are still first in point differential, fourth in EPA EPA per play on offense, first on defense. Now they have faced the second easiest strength of schedule, so I think that matters a little bit. Um, but they only have four players on injured reserve. Talking about like one of the the healthiest teams. I know that one of those players is Tredavious White, which is matters a ton. That's like worth like five or ten players. Uh, and they just lost uh, interior lineman as well. But even with those Josh Allen games, when they get bad, it's still like a a pretty efficient offense because they just never run the ball. And like bad Josh Allen is still a pretty efficient offense. So yeah, I, I think that there is some risk of him just getting matchups to death and like we'll see what belichick can do in the third time facing him but i don't know i think that their team is too good and i think they're ceiling they're contenders i think they're i think that they should be favorites um but they're gonna have to face the chiefs early on like for them to make it they're probably gonna have to beat the chiefs and then the second round and beat the titans on the road so their path isn't that isn't that clean but when i'm just like talking about like offense defense coaching staff everything kind of and quarterback play being that good. I, I want to put them in the favorites, but their path is definitely difficult. Yeah. And defensively, I mean, the likes of Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, Gregory Russo, AJ Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, like they are one of these teams that have so much depth and they've invested so much along that defensive line that to me, that is a big difference versus what they were last year. Because remember, it felt like Sean McDermott, every single post-game press conference was just exuding frustration because that defense is probably one of the worst he's coached in years and years and years. And they did do a really good job and health matters considerably. Um, they've had to deal with a bunch of backup offensive linemen at times this year too. And Spencer Brown coming in at right tackle, I believe from Northern Iowa, if I'm not mistaken, freak athlete playing pretty well for a first year player. Devin Singletary lately has been a big difference for them. But like that's also against you know the likes of the Jets, the Falcons, the Panthers, right? In three of the last four games, and against the Patriots, they won thirty three to twenty one. Um, it was the inside of structure stuff when obviously everyone was backing off and they were hitting those really really soft areas for him. I don't know. I just I don't feel wonderful about the Bills overall overall package i feel like too much is being put on josh allen's shoulders and while he is spectacular four straight games of that i'm nervous about like the because i i from a weekend week out perspective i actually like the offense last year more than this year i think that's i think that's fair i josh allen's just so damn good he's so I know good he, i know he has flaws but like this dude hit peak josh allen is like mvp so like would you do you think would you rather have three good games of Tannehill to get there or four good games to for Josh Allen to get to, to win the Super Bowl. Like that's well, kind of like, what, the that's why we're putting him at the top of this list. Okay. Yeah. Third, third highest odds, according to Vegas to win the Super Bowl for the bills right now. So, but they've been on like the Josh Allen MVP and the Buffalo bills, Super Bowl chances all season long. They've been ahead versus everyone else all season long. Um, I mean, I, I, to me, the conversation to have, with the Bills is with the Rams next. And like those are those yep. are the two teams to have a conversation with. And I would rather not have five teams among the favorites. That's too many. I was gonna have the Rams in the contenders list, not the favorites okay, list. Let's hear it. 
yeah. So their EPA per play without Robert Woods has gone down significantly. It's uh, 0.16, which is a really big deal. And that's over a pretty large sample. And I think that's just because of what Robert Woods gives you versus Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson. Uh, Matthew Stafford's been super inconsistent. I think all of the same arguments that you're making for Josh Allen, you can certainly make for Matthew Stafford. Um, yeah. But I would just rather have Josh Allen over Matthew Stafford, especially in the playoffs. That's one thing I wanted to note real quick, talking about uh, pick them and NFL uh, playoffs, best ball rushing quarterbacks in the playoffs rush more. There's just, it's worth the risk. You're not, it's not really playing the Texans in week three. There's no reason to run, but in the playoffs near the goal line, like a Josh Allen type of quarterback, like it's full ready to go. You're going to get the peak uh, rushing Josh Allen. So um, going back to the Rams, uh, six in point differential, six highest odds to win the Super Bowl, eighth in EP per play, ninth on defense, very good team, certainly in the contenders list. I think that for all the discussions for Matthew Stafford's interceptions and those issues, yes, the floor might be a little bit lower than we, what we wanted, but the ceiling is just like off the charts. Josh so talking about McVay, Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. That, that right. automatically gets you into the contenders list. I do think that they're a step down from the other two teams, like the the Bucks and the Packers, but their ceiling is still super high. So I think that they're perfectly right in the contenders discussion. Yeah. And the two interceptions for Matthew Stafford last week were basically arm punts. I mean, the last one third and long into the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, as dumb as this might seem, and maybe I'm just walking down narrative street. I feel like Matthew Stafford can just eliminate the mistakes. Now that we get to like these highly, highly important games and maybe it's in his DNA. And I know so much, so many people like he has split, he has split like the football world versus like, oh, he's not that big of an improvement versus, oh man, he makes all the difference. At the very least, he is bringing to the table of what Jared Goff brought to the table when this team got to the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. And to me, the biggest difference between the two is those two third down throws that he made last week. And I understand that they lost, but face a pressure, free rusher, perfectly lofted pass to a wide receiver that hadn't even made his break, wasn't even looking back. And we have seen other quarterbacks, not just golf, crumble in those situations. And again, I think these games, individual playoff contests, boil down to three to five plays so often. And Matthew Stafford has that ability to change his arm angle, to win outside of structure, to activate all eligible wide receivers, to make unreal rope throws that others previously at this quarterback position for the Rams have not had to do. And they just have superstars like you have outlined in so many, so many positions. So, yeah, I, I we can't write off the bad Matthew Stafford. Like that has to be baked in. That That's is, fair. that has to be baked in their eighth in EPA per play on offense. I think that is about fair. I will say that eighth in EPA per play, that does include the range of outcomes being first in EPA per play. Like if they get hot, they could be the best offense in the in the dance i just don't think we should expect that so i think that they belong in the contenders list um i think it's like it perfectly sums up the rams they can get pretty feisty but i do think that we've seen enough flaws from stafford and we know for a fact that this defense is not a difference making defense it's a good defense got superstar talent but is not the 2020 rams so i think that they belong with the contenders i'd probably move them ahead of the cowboys maybe I think all I think these four teams about about fair. I had the yeah. Titans, the Rams, and the Cowboys as my contenders, 
Um, and I, I can see any one of them being ranked ahead. It's also a really tough one to order in its own individual tier because you have the Titans with the bye week to start, as we outlined, incredibly massive. But when you just look at one through 53, I'd probably take the other three teams ahead of them if I was like building sure. a franchise and starting from week one. But that's not exactly what we're doing here. Just surveying this, I'm assuming you would put the Bills at one. I would put, yes. this is how I have it right now. Bills, Rams, Titans, Cowboys. Yeah, I would move the Bills up into the favorites list, but they're right on the board between favorites and contenders. So no arguments for me. Just executive decision. We cannot have more teams in the favorite section than the contenders, I feel like. Fair. Just a perception thing. Okay. You can go wherever you want. You can start with the team at the top of the favorites list and go on down from there, or you can do the next team here that you think is maybe on the border. Which one? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to nominate the Bucks. We can discuss the other two teams. <laughs> okay. uh, the Bucks have the fourth highest odds to make it their first in EPA per play on offense. Side note for the MVP discussion. Uh, Tom Brady has had more expected points added than Aaron Rodgers. I rest my case for MVP discussions. All of the positives about Tom Brady's supporting cast is only because uh, Tom Brady gets there. Rob Gronkowski does not play for the Bucks unless uh Tom Brady's there. Same thing with Antonio Brown. A lot of the other pieces. So I think he deserves some credit for that. They have been the best team uh, from start to finish, I think. Now, they are fifth on e on defense on EPA per play. And I think this is where some of the discussion happens. They are expecting to get Shaq Barrett and JPP back in the li lineup. Levante yeah. David is probably highly questionable, questionable to play in the first round. Um, but he, he's probably back in the second round. And they are massive favorites in the first round just because of the seeding. So I think that the Bucks are still have a super high ceiling. I think that losing Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin does matter, but Gronk has stepped up. Mike Evans seems like he's fully healthy and Tom Brady. I mean, maybe Aaron Rodgers was playing better this season, but I'm not sure if anybody else was. And I'm not even convinced that Aaron Rodgers was for sure ahead of Tom Brady this entire season. He's been incredible. One of the best seasons of his career. And I love what this offensive um, just kind of, we're going to throw it down the field and like good luck stopping it. And I think they can come back um, uh, if they're, if they don't have a lead, if they do have a lead Leonard Fournette, I think in this offensive line is willing to kick your ass as well. So I think they're certainly back in the favorites list. It's been very inconsistent because of injuries, but uh, this team's still just so damn good. Yeah. I mean, again, second quickest time to throw in the league Tom Brady has then he's top 10 in intended air yards per attempt. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to get the ball out of here to protect myself. It's, oh, I recognize what your coverage is pre-snap, post-snap, and I'm going to get it to my my players on the field and allow them to win. The issue to me, and I think the Bucs are absolutely a top three team as we enter the playoffs, the drop-off from Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski to Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Rashad Perryman, Cyril Grayson, Terrell Johnson, and Scotty Miller. That's sizable. Now, is the quarterback going to allow them to make plays? Yes, he did it last week with Rashad Perryman. Like he's done it with Cyril Grayson in key situations to win games here. But do we really trust, like, again, top competitors, top teams, top defenses, top offensive players? Individual skill talent matters once we get here to the best teams and the drop off in talent between those two and Chris Godwin uh, to me is good, like a separator for them 
versus the other favorites that we might talk about here in a little bit. I agree, but it's all of those 10 targets per game that Chris Godwin's had doesn't mean that they have to go directly to Tyler Johnson as direct backup. Yep. It, a couple of those t- targets are now going to Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans. So like it's it doesn't mean that you are removing all of the Chris Godwin stuff. It just gets means there's more put on the plates of Mike Evans, uh Gronk and then Leonard Fournette who should be back ready to go um as well starting this week. So, uh very easy first game. I think it's a perfect game to kind of get their feet wet, see what the backup uh, receivers have, but as long as Shaq Bear and JPP are back, this team still's got a plenty of plenty of juice. And I mean, Tom Brady was so sick this year. Like, yeah, it, I, I'm not sure if enough people are talking about just how good he was. It seems like everyone's just like, oh yeah, he had, he he had a good season. No, he was fucking incredible, man. Like this guy was the comeback against the Jets. Like all these out route throws, like cover three shots, cover two shots way down the field like you haven't seen any drop off in arm talent from tom brady so um i think that he has a very good mvp uh case i know that nobody agrees with that but he's been so so good and i think mike evans and gronk are ready to kind of step up yeah he is more mobile than he was in his early 30s yeah he has a stronger arm than he has when in his early 30s and he's again playing behind the same five blockers who were healthy going into last year's playoffs that was a huge difference. They're healthy again going into this playoffs. Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, Tristan Wirfs. And any plays where Tom does need to hold on to it a bit longer, hit those second windows, hit those third windows, they're probably going to give him time. Like that's a top three unit universally, league wide, and they're all healthy. They're all playing. They're all really good, especially Wirfs at right tackle and Marpet at left guard. That's such a difference for a quarterback that is so smart. That is such a difference. Um, okay. They definitely belong in the favorites. I have one quick note for best ball, NFL playoffs, best ball. The Buccaneers, all, all of the stacks in the gauntlet in particular that were being drafted early, a lot of those Bucks teams are dead for a couple of reasons. One, they've had some injuries. Two, like Leonard Fournette was like the second or third overall pick for a large chunk of that. Now you can get them way later. So a Bucks stack now is worth way more because you're going to have the exact pieces that you need and the ADPs have shifted downwards. And now you know for a fact that they're not going to have the first round buy. So I think just for like a strategy purpose for, for stacking, I think the Buck stacks makes a ton of sense, and I would just be very aggressive with Leonard Fournette's ADP that's dropped a little bit. He's looked healthy. That's what Arian said. I think that he's one of the best picks. Um, I'm very optimistic on the Bucks' chances of winning this thing, and you don't have to deal with the first round buy. So I think that the Bucks. I know it's like not super bold to say, but I think that right now um, there are strategy reasons. Not not even just the Bucks are good. That this is the best time to be stacking the Bucks uh, throughout the Gauntlet's history. We talked a lot this season. I'm going to talk about more on Thursday. Like, hey, you shouldn't run on on the Bucks either. Uh, I know Stephen Ruiz pointed this out after ranking fifth in DVOA against the run the first half of the season. The Bucks defense was 21st in the second half against the run. If you run away from Vita Vea, you can be successful. And a lot of that has been Levante David being out because Devin White, great athlete, not nearly as good as Levante David. Right. And then Kevin Minter as the backup linebacker has hurt them too. So, yeah. okay. Sticking the NFC, let's talk about the Packers. Uh, Packers, Aaron Rodgers and his history with this team, when they've gotten to NFC Championship games, they've allowed 140 points in those contests. 
and the ones that they've lost with Aaron Rodgers. That's an average of 35 points per game. I know that it's so easy to have this conversation about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and the backfield of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We can talk more and more about the role players of MVS and Al Lazard and so on and so forth. But with that in mind, the big difference of what could be different from this year's Packers team versus the others that almost got there is the defense, is the defense's ability. It's Rashawn Gary. It's Kenny Clark. It's Darius Smith who's possibly coming back. It's the coaching. It's you know young players stepping up, fitting into form, and how they really are gelling, I think, at the perfect time. And that Packers team can be aggressive. That Packers defense can be really advantageous with turnovers. And while you know Aaron Rodgers might not be as aggressive of a passer as some of these other quarterbacks we have talked about and might talk about in just a little bit, if you give him an extra possession or two, that can make all the difference here. I'm very torn on the Packers. On one hand, they have the highest odds to win the Super Bowl. They have the bye. All that stuff is good. It's harder to play in Lambeau Field getting late into the year. Their offense, I basically have no concerns, especially with David Bakhtiari back. Like That's ready to go as long as Devontae Adams or Rodgers doesn't get hurt. They can win in multiple ways, kind of like the Cowboys. They can run the ball all over you. They can pass the ball. They can come back. They can be with the lead, all that stuff. The defense, I think, is a little bit more troubling than what I think a lot of people are hmm. saying. They're 18th in EPA per play on defense. Jair Alexander's practiced, but he's not returned yet. They think he's going to come back. Zadarius Smith is definitely more of a question mark if he's going to be coming back this season. They have been run on at times, uh, the Packers have. And among, like, this is only one stat, but it's been a pretty predictive stat. The Packers are 10th in point differential, which, like, I think that there's some reasons like the Packers, like when they have a lead, they're just like winding down the clock. They're not trying to blow out some teams like uh, the Chiefs and some other teams like the Bills get to do. But I think it matters a little bit. So I think that their defense, I have some more concerns with there. It's better this year than it was last year, but I do not think this is an elite defense. Maybe Hmm. it becomes that way when Jair Alexander comes back. But I think this is a good, not great defense. But either way, like you have Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams and the number one seed. I think that they are the best team that have the highest odds to win the Super Bowl. I just think that it's a, it's a pretty level playing field uh, compared to some of the other teams. Like I thought like the Chiefs team last year looked like the best team coming in until Tom yeah. Brady went crazy. I think that the Packers, the Bucks, even down to the Cowboys, like that whole tier to me is pretty flat. I think just because the Packers defense is good, not like elite. We can remove potentially. Maybe it's not fair. A 35 negative point differential in that first game of the season when they lost 38 to three against the Saints. Like that, that factors in there too. Um, I just think if we just talked about what the Bucs bring to the table, like so often a quarterback that has been there in these moments that is not going to get overwhelmed, that when you're down by nine or seven in the second half, that doesn't just press, 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 press can get you back in the games, can hold on to leads. Aaron Rodgers is that right now. And yes, I'm totally with you. They certainly have not been blowing out opponents at all. Um, Adding the bye on top of it, it's a really complete team, man. It is. It's it's kind of how we wanted the Cowboys to be all season long in some ways, where they can beat you in the running game. They can beat you in the air with a quarterback. They can beat you defensively with some of these players. 
maybe not as name brand all across the board, but it's it's all there for me. And uh, the bye week just so much, so much helps when you're asking everyone to potentially go up to Lambeau Field in January. That's a big difference. Yeah, I have the Packers first. Are you, do you have the Bucks higher or the or the Packers? I think the, the big thing is like the bye week. It's just like I mean that's like automatically like, like twenty points uh, yeah. in their direction for odds to win the Super Bowl. So I, I I really cannot overcome that with the Packers. I think like neutral field Bucks and Packers in a couple weeks when the Bucks get a little bit healthier, the Packers Please. get a little bit healthier. It's going to be a, the point spread should be under three points. Like either direction yes. doesn't really matter. I think it should be very tight. I, I just think that the the bye week matters so much that we kind of have to put them number one. Again, in those NFC Championship games, many different teams, they'd given up an average of 35 points. This year, the Packers have allowed 20.9 points per game defensively. And David Bakhtiari did come back. He started, didn't play the whole game, did come back for those 27 snaps, his first 27 snaps of the entire season. And Billy Turner's potentially coming back off the COVID list as well in time for the second round of the playoffs. Um, Matt LaFleur, too. Like we give Brian Dayball a bunch of credit. You know, we give the Bengals offense, we give Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury at times. For some reason, Matt LaFleur's name, despite being the winningest coach, I believe, in his first however many seasons in the league, he needs to be ranked and mentioned more often among there, among the best coaches, best coaches, because he's had to deal with a lot over the last couple of years, just from a player-to-player standpoint, too. Coach of the year for me. Chiefs the only team we haven't talked about yet. Chiefs definitely belong in the favorites category. Somewhat of a weird season for them. Defense started abysmally. Offense, story of the season, too high. Shells. Ty- now, when we get to this point, Tyreek Hill coming off the cover list. Tyreek Hill has that heel injury in preseason. Travis Kelsey up and down. Other than that, there's like, I mean, there's nothing. It's role players, but then you always have Patrick Mahomes. And where it was in the Super Bowl last year, it's wild thinking back how still competitive or how much they willed them to even try to be competitive in that game. And they spent all offseason fixing that offensive line. And now, Hayden, that's all hopefully going to come to fruition here when they play, you know, when it matters the most now. The league fa- figuring out Patrick Mahomes has led to the Chiefs being second in EP- <laughs> EPA per play. Second. Right. And uh, that's against the sixth hardest strength of schedule in the NFL. Uh, they've been battle tested. As long as Tyreek Hill's uh, heel injury that he had last week doesn't kind of linger and he was playing through it at times, I think that they should be fine. With that, this team is just locked and loaded. It is very rare for a team without the bye to have as good of odds to win the Super Bowl as what the Chiefs are doing. So for best ball purposes, I think that I would be taking Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill like first overall at this point just because their odds to win the Super Bowl or get to, get to the Super Bowl are so much better than Cooper Cups with the Rams. Um, and it's a team that you should priority number one when you're doing these best ball drafts should be to stack the, the Chiefs. I think that you can do little mini stacks with like the Titans players and the Chiefs players and then go find an NFC team that's kind of lingering out there. Um, but the Chiefs are really ready to go. go. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, quick note on him. He's making progress. 
he could return this week, even if he doesn't. I think that he d- deserves plenty of love in playoff best ball because his run blocking offensive line is just so damn good. And the last note is the Chiefs right now, they only have five players on injured reserve right now. So this is a pretty healthy team. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're limping to the, to the playoffs. They've seen every defense that you can possibly throw at Patrick Mahomes at this point. And I think that there is a little bit something to like playoff Andy Reid. I feel like there's a section of that playbook that's kind of been hiding uh, underneath the, the mac and cheese recipe that he whips out late in the season to throw in that last little wrinkle. So uh, I will never be doubting Patrick Mahomes my entire life. I will not do that today. They are so much better equipped to pick up the three or four yard gains than they were last year, just in the running game because of their offensive line. Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, so much better equipped to do that. Clyde edwards helaire is not a difference maker as an individual, but he's the best on that team in terms of picking yards, picking up the yards block for him and then creating a little something on his own. Like, I mean, I, I would say as a runner, there might be 20 better, 15 better in the NFL, but he's the best that they have. So getting him back is a big deal. Lately, though, defensively, and they've been doing this all year long, it kind of is the high variance nature. Maybe regression is the right word to use. At times, their cornerbacks look great because they can bat down those deep passes. Then other times when those connect, when they're left out on islands, the the lack of talent on the perimeter shows up for them. And I'd be nervous about some of these top quarterbacks and top wide receivers that they might be facing here in the playoffs because I believe in round two, if everything goes chalk, it'd be the Buffalo Bills for them. Yeah, it is a concern. The Chiefs defense is better. It is still not good. Uh, I think they are very well coached. It was interesting. The last couple of games, like they just didn't want to tackle anybody, which I thought was kind of interesting. But hopefully that with the playoffs on the line, that gets um, filled out. Going back to the Clyde edwards Hilaire, I think I have uh, have an official Clyde Edwards-Hilaire take for the people. As out in space, I think he is just another guy. Like I think that is fair. He does not have enough juice. Uh, some of the wiggle that I thought he had at LSU hasn't really translated out in space. And I think it's because of the explosiveness, not the elusiveness. Like there was a, a little bit of a problem. Like it's kind of twofold. Just because you make a defender miss doesn't mean that much unless you can get upfield after it. I don't think that Clyde O'Dellier can do that. Now between the tackles, I think this guy has pretty good vision. He is really yep. strong. And I think someone like Daryl Williams is not good at that stuff. So I think that between the tackles, especially when you have this offensive line that can get some move some bodies. I think that Clyde Edwards Solaire is a difference maker in like a very short yardage specific game plan. And I think that Daryl Williams, like bless his heart. He's been an awesome pick for best ball. Still has plenty of a ceiling to chase. If you're doing NFL playoffs, best ball, I do think he is like a pretty bad between the tackles rusher. And I think that right now, the difference between this, this year's chiefs and last year's chiefs is just third and one. We need to run the ball up the middle. This year's chiefs is converting that last year's chiefs was getting stuffed at the goal line time and time again. So I think that's, the biggest wrinkle and I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire coming back is just going to add that final little element. It's not that important to a team winning the Super Bowl, but there will be some short yardage conversions that need to get picked up. And I definitely like CH's chances over Daryl Williams. Let's rank these Packers, Bucks, Chiefs, two on the NFC side, one on the AFC side. Only one of these teams has a bye week in round one, and that's the Packers. So I think the Packers have to be one because the bye yep. week. Uh, I don't think they're much better than any of the other teams. I would have all these point spreads uh, between the favorites and the contenders pretty damn close. I view the Chiefs number two just because they're a little bit healthier than the Bucks. We've seen it 
before for longer stretches with this exact type of offense. Um, and then I would go the Bucks third. And then I think really, I, I do think that these top seven teams that we have listed here, going with the Bills, Rams, Titans, Cowboys, those are the 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 true. I would be, not be surprised if any of them wins it. If the Bengals, 49ers, Cardinals win, I would I will be surprised. And I think for best ball purposes, I would just keep trying to figure out combinations between these top seven teams and then sprinkle in a Hunter Renfro, sprinkle in a Deontay, sprinkle in a Kyler Murray to kind of get you out of the playoff or the first round. But I really do think that these top seven teams, it's it's pretty likely that they'll be matched up. Um, but maybe the Bengals or 49ers can catch fire. But I think that we have the top seven teams. We can debate the order, but I think those are the, the top seven teams. My small brain simplistic view if the Bucks had Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, I'd push way harder for them to be second. But just when it comes down to individuals, I have to put them third uh, yeah. among the favorites. But man, this top seven, so fire. Even the top 10, man. I mean, the top 10 features so many great individual players, so many great offenses, explosion. It should be really fun. I mean, these top Do you seven. Agree- do you agree that it's flatter this year? Like there's not stand. I think there's, there's, I think like the second tier of teams is a little bit deeper than it was in previous years, but I, I don't think that there's like a clearly best team yeah. in the NFL. I think, I mean, the point's been proven like the, the, the Cardinals were number one at some points. The bills were number one at some point. The freaking right. Patriots were ranked in the top three. So I think it's like a deeper, but I'm not sure if there's like a lights out team anywhere. I think it helps. That there was no 15 and one, 14 and two. But heck, we've even seen those 15 and one, 14 and two, like the Ravens a couple of years ago lose in their first game out there, you know? Yeah. But there was no one team for the entire season, as you just said, that we can say, oh, that's the best team in the NFL. It changed. It changed. If there was like NCAA basketball rankings or, you know, BCS championship rankings, that would have changed over and over almost on a weekly basis. That's for sure. And then even with the stars must align category, the Patriots and the Eagles, clear ways to win. Like clear identity. If it's successful, they can swarm you. They can roll you. And they can keep that up for three and a half, four quarters and and get a victory and upset a number of teams that way too. Yeah. All right. I don't know about you, Hayden. Did not expect that to go an hour and 20 minutes. Hey, when I, that's when you, what we whenever, do. Whenever you can get me talking about Derek Carr, that's 15 minutes right down the drain. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, everyone. Appreciate you all being here. If you were listening to Hayden so eloquently talk about playoff basketball and you've never played the beautiful game, going over Underdog Fantasy, App Store, Desktop, deposit anything for the first time. We'll double it 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. And go and try out. There's another mitten, the third one, the gauntlets in there as well. It is 10 rounds, six people. You go one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, slash tight ends, and one flex, and you have five bench spots. And every single draft that you do is different. So go and try three of them and have a blast. This is the week to do it. I will say, last note on this. The gauntlet is the tournament to enter, in my opinion. There have been so many dead teams because of significant injuries and uh on-field retirements that have completely changed the organization. The Chargers were at one point picked high. Jonathan Taylor was a top five pick for a long time. There are a lot of dead teams in the gauntlet. Now, of course, there are some advantages, like the Bengals stack has gotten more expensive, 
But still, the Bengals don't have, they haven't increased their odds to win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl all that much. It's still pretty unlikely. I think that we've kind of trimmed the fat and that a lot of the early gauntlet teams are kind of dead. And I think that right now is probably the best time to get into that uh, tournament just because of how crazy the injuries and then the upsets late in the season, like total collapses from the Chargers and uh, Colts in particular. Uh, the Vikings, another team that was being drafted pretty high with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. So if I was entering a tournament, I'd pick the gauntlet. But damn, everyone loves these freaking mittens. Like we can pump as many mittens. We can do 10 of them. We can do a mitten for 2026 best ball right now, and it would fill in two days. So I appreciate the love on the mittens. Do not forget about the freaking gauntlet. I think there's a lot of dead teams. I would go take advantage of that if you can. Yeah, my, my final note would have been, I even saw teams with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson being drafted, as you just said. And those are obviously obviously wasted picks at this point yeah go and try it out this is the week to do it and we'll be back here again on thursday with some show we'll do head coaching conversations gm conversations and we definitely need to outline all the matchups and dive in a bit more on the individual players for the first round of playoff action all right everyone appreciate you liking subscribing those of you in the podcast feed for listening up the villa talk to y'all soon see ya